And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't done so yet, check out my weekly email where I'm sharing actionable website and marketing tips, useful podcasts, bonus goodies, and much, much more every week so you can kick off your Monday with a bang. Give it a try over at businessgrowth.email. that said, my guest today is sales legend, returning guest. He was actually one of the very first about two years years ago when we just started the show. We've got Jeb Blunt. Jeb is the CEO over at Sales Gravy. He's author of 13 books, including Fanatical Prospecting, Sales EQ, Inked, and his very new book coming out soon, Selling the Price Increase. Jeb, welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing? Well, well thank you so much, and I, I appreciate you calling me a legend. That's uh I mean, I, I might not be able to make it out of the studio door after <laughs> after that kind of an introduction. And uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited about my 14th book, Selling the Price Increase. It's coming out soon. Thank you for having me on. We'll we can talk a little bit about that. But uh, but but more than anything, uh, congratulations on the success of this podcast. You're right. I was on here at the very beginning. You called me up, um, gave me twenty five thousand dollars to get on with you, and <laughs> uh, and now I'm coming back for free because you've uh, you've blown up and you know, you're, now you're a big shot. The secret's blown out the water, man. But um, <laughs> looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And uh, like you say, not many people get the title legend when they come on the show. So you're in a you're in a privileged members club there, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, Jeb, we're going to be ch- chatting all about how everyone tuning in, our audience can sell a price increase. So without beating around the bush, is it is it okay? Is it a good thing to do to really raise our rates, raise our pricing uh, as as a tool for our business? Absolutely. Let me explain why. So price increases are integral to the health of a business. So whether it's a small business, a large business, optimizing and getting your pricing right matters because an increase in pricing is a direct drop through to your bottom line. So pricing and profits are directly correlated. Along with that is when you expand your pricing or increase your pricing, you also can expand your revenue. So you can grow your revenue base, but more importantly, you grow the bottom line. And the bottom line impact is significant. Uh, According to Harvard Business Review, a really um, solid study that they did and some work they did on the math of a price increase, that if you increase your sales by 1%, so you add 1% in new sales growth, Typically, that's going to drop through about 3% to the bottom line. So about 3% increase on the bottom line for 1% increase in sales growth. If you add a 1% price increase, so you increase your, 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 your sales by price increase, that's going to drop through 11%. That's a 400% higher return on investment for the time that you, that you invest in getting the price increase. Now, the caveat here, Sam, is that you have to get the price increase without losing your customer or losing the orders. That so was that, be that my math, next point. yeah, the it math only matters great. if, yeah, if it's all, if you if you get the price increase and keep your customer. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that sounds great. Love the love the sound of raising bottom line, raising revenue, raising profits, win win win. But are we not going to piss off our existing customers when we say, well, look, your your monthly spend, your annual spend is going up by X? Don't they all run for the hills? Well, the, the truth is you, you're, you're not going to make people happy because they don't want to buy a price increase. Trust me, and you don't want to sell it either because it's typically an uncomfortable conversation. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't some price increases that are relatively easy to push through. So 
in a, like I say, a non-negotiable broad-based price increase where you're going out to your entire customer base and you're adding, uh, you know, say 2% or 3% to, uh, to whatever you're charging them, people will generally accept that without defecting. So they're going to use that. And, and even if you lost a couple of customers, you're typically going to lose your smaller customers who aren't as invested. And overall, even though you have a little bit of attrition, you're going to get the higher return on the top line and you're going to get the drop through the bottom line. And that's one of the three drivers. So three motivations of price increases is the size, the relevant size of the price increase. If it's right. relatively small, it's a lot easier for people to accept. Uh, but and but that's a broad-based price increase. But imagine that, for example, you sold a, a new customer and a lot of small businesses and medium-sized businesses will go out and you get a new customer and you discount to get the customer. I know when I first started my business, in a lot of cases, I brought on customers because I needed to grow. I'm sure you did the same thing. And sure. when I went in, I, I went in at a, at a price that was too low. And then one day realized that I'm not making the profit that I need to make on this account. So in order to right size the pricing or optimize the pricing on that account, I had to go out to that individual customer. Now, that's where it gets a little scary because this customer is already doing business with me. There's already volume. And should I piss them off and lose them, I'm going to lose all that volume. In some cases, that was a risk I was willing to take because since I wasn't making very much money or any money at all, it really didn't make a difference if I was getting the top line number. If it's not dropping through the bottom line, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but in some cases, what I had to do is start thinking about my approach. And that's really what the new book is about. It's about a system for selling a price increase that helps you get comfortable with a very uncomfortable conversation. It, it just is. I've been mm. doing this for 30 years and never have I had a, you know, a, a conversation about price increases where I, it feels good. Uh, yeah. You don't want to sell it. They don't want to buy it. But how do we get them to step into a price increase in the right way so that we don't lose the customer or lose the orders? And there is a right way because businesses do this every single day and sure. they get price increases without losing their customers. Yeah, and you've got a five-step process, I believe, Jeb, on how to sell the price increase, which I want to get into shortly. Before we do, what's more un what's more uncomfortable, making a cold call or raising your rates to customers? Oh, there's it's it's absolutely raising your rates to customers. I mean, the, <laughs> if you if you think about it, like the the two things that salespeople hate the most, cold calls and uh, and price increases. Well. Price increases sit at the pantheon, the top of the pantheon of all the things that salespeople hate. I mean, it's worse than cold calls, worse than a CRM, uh, putting things in a CRM, worse than doing administrative work, worse than anything. They hate going out and approaching customers with price increases because they're afraid of it. And the mm -hmm. reason they're afraid of it is pure human. Price increases create conflict. Price increases yeah. create objections. And, and so I'll tell you, just from my own experience, and this is, goes back to the mid-90s, uh, I remember the very first time that as a sales professional that I had to go out and get price increases. My sales manager came into a room full of us, us the sales team. We were all sitting around a conference room table. He handed each of us a, a stack of green bars. These are old time, you know, computer paper that were printed out on dot matrix uh, printers and said, here's all your accounts. I need a net 6% price increase off these accounts. I need it by the end of the month. And you need to tell me by the end of the week where you're going to get it from. And by the end of the week, I didn't have anything but excuses. And I said, there's no way. I'm going to lose all my customers. And he said, sorry, no excuses. I need 6%. Go figure it out. And I had to go I had to go figure it out. It was incredibly uncomfortable. It was so uncomfortable that I almost quit my job over it. I, I, oh, really? I felt like as a sales professional, and it's a little bit different as a business, you know, as a business owner, for example, if you're a business owner, 
it, there's a little bit of a different feeling and that's the fear that I'm going to lose the volume. Like I'm going to lose the revenue coming in and lose mm. the customer. And that means I got to go out and get new customers. That can be difficult. I mean, that's what, exactly what you help people do, Sam, but, but that there is fear in losing a customer as a sales professional. I go out and build relationships with people. I'm really good at discounting. I'm great at going in, like negotiating a deal, giving away a few points to get the deal. It felt to me like as a sales professional that I was doing something to my customer, right? Versus doing something for my company. And, and that's why, like, can you ask me about, is it appropriate to do a price increase? I, I want to start with why do price increases matter? Because if you don't understand the connection to the health of your company, that includes your job and everybody else's job, that, in, that includes all the resources that you need to sell, that includes your benefits, all those things. If you don't have profit, none of that matters. You're not going to get any of that. So, if, But I didn't understand that. I just thought it was, it was something that it was evil that I was doing to my customers. Plus, human beings naturally don't like conflict. I mean, we are sure. in our DNA, we are hardwired to run away from rejection. So when you approach someone with a price increase, of course, customers are going to push back. Nobody wants a price increase. I mean, there's not a customer in the world that's ever called a salesperson and said, Sam, you know what? You guys are doing a great job for me. I'm so appreciative of everything that you're doing. I tell you what, you know, I think it's about time for us to pay more. Could you give me a price increase? Never happens. Right? Yeah. Nobody when, wants a price increase. So that, you have to I go out and sell it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. So... With that said, I mean, like you say, one of the it's it's becomes a lot easier if you run something yourself, if you become an entrepreneur, if you own your own business, you appreciate these things. But like you say, when you're selling for someone else, it, it feels a lot tougher, I feel. Like when I was a just a sales rep, when I was a sales professional, as opposed to running a business, I didn't quite understand it as much as now I do when I run a business, you have several accounts, you've really got to look at your profit loss, it becomes key. So is there a is there a right time you feel? Is there a good time? to know when you should raise your rates from your experience? Well, that's a, a wonderful question. So let's just go back to the thing that you just said about being an entrepreneur. Uh, even as an entrepreneur, if you think about it, it can be a difficult decision to raise someone's rates. So I, I talked about earlier when I started this business 14 years ago, I brought on some customers and I did it at a much lower rate than I would now, but I needed business. So, but a couple of those customers were really, really big. I had one customer that was a Fortune 100 company. The volume was massive in terms of revenue, but they were killing me. They were taking all my resources. We weren't making really any money at all. And I had to go approach them because I was at a point where I was going to have to fire them because I couldn't keep servicing them because of the, the, just the, the amount of, 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 you know, just, I guess, crap that they were putting on our plate every single day. So I had to sit down and really think about it because I, as an entrepreneur, the revenue that was coming in can, can fool you against profit. So I had to look at it and I had to, you know, I, just, I had to put them into a, basically I put them into a, what I call a fit matrix, but they were in the upper left-hand corner of this, this four-part matrix that says, you know, it says, uh, you know, um, hard to work with, or they right. were in the, actually in the lower left-hand corner, hard to work with low profit. They weren't going to get easier to work with, but I needed to move the profit up. So I, I, I had to get to the point where I'd hit rock bottom with them and I was willing to go in and say, I'm, I'm willing to work with you. You're hard to work with, but I need to make more money. And I moved them up into the matrix into, uh, into hard to work with high profit. So as an entrepreneur, sometimes you have to come to grips with the fact that you're going you're gonna to risk losing that revenue. 
and that and that can be it. So for you know, and from a timing standpoint. The, the time is when you're when you're working with a customer and you're realizing that they're sapping your your happiness, like they're taking all of your you know of of your resources, they're taking all your time, they're taking all your energy, and you're not getting a return on it. Sometimes that tells you the time. As a sales yeah. professional, sometimes the time is we, we're at a contract renewal, so we're you know it's it's a time when we need to renew the agreement. And when we sold the the account, we sold it at a low price. Now's the time to raise the rate, and that can get scary because. When it's a contract renewal time, your competitor is likely in there having a conversation with them. So sometimes you want to think about doing it earlier so you can test the water with the price increase before you've got everything on the line. At other times, like we're in a, in a period now where we've got a, a lot of inflation, a lot of supply chain issues. So and it's a broad based problem. It's, it's impacting economies all over the world. In these cases, when you start looking at the pressure you're getting from your vendors, so they're raising your rates. You have to, as a business, start looking at it and saying, we need to pass these on to our customers. And then there are also opportunistic opportunities. Now, don't throw rocks at me. Somebody's going to throw in eggs and probably post some nasty things about me online. <laughs> but but it, sometimes, and I think now is one of those times we're in an inflationary period where there are a number of companies raising their rates. Sometimes it's a good idea to step back and, and think about, this goes back to your earlier question, if I raise my rates now, would my customers accept it more readily than at another time? So if you're in a recession, for example, and you're losing customers, that probably wouldn't be the right time to raise your rates because you might end up losing more customers because people might say, you know what, I can do without this. But in a time, a period of where, where there's higher inflation, within reason, people are much more likely to accept a price increase or when there's a time of abundance, when the economy is on fire, for example, in some cases, it's a good time to raise your rates. I think but as an organization, as a, you, as a, if you're an entrepreneur, business owner, executive, you've got to sit down and run the analysis and take a look at your entire pricing structure. As a salesperson, you've got to look at your book of accounts and think, if, I'm, if I've got an account and I raise the rates on this account by, say, 10%, what does that do to, to the size of my book, right? So am I, am I increasing or expanding my, my account base? or my revenue base. So there's not a there's not a single easy answer to it, but it is something you should be thinking about all the time. Yeah. Selling it, price increases is not a, just about an inflationary period, it's about the the entire sales cycle from selling a deal all the way through, you know, delivering it and then managing the account long term. Yeah, it sounds like a bit of a balancing act and like you say if you're a sales professional, you might just get chucked by your manager or your director or whoever's in charge that is coming. Whereas if, if you're running a business, perhaps you're senior or you're, you're in the marketing department or you're in revenue operations, you might have to do this balancing act, like you say. And the first point you mentioned, Jeb, is interesting because I've been there myself where customers have taken up a lot of my time, but I've got sucked into it. So I didn't really realize. And it wasn't until colleagues said, look, Sam, you're on this all the time and they're not really paying us that much a month. We need to either get rid of them or ramp up the rate seriously. Yes. And then it's like, yeah, you're right, because I'm spending like a couple hours a day on this account. And they're already paying us this much and our time is worth far more than that. So it's like you say, taping a step back and really understanding the resources, whether that's yourself, your team, your colleagues, whoever, and thinking, is it worth it? Yeah. And, and even then, if you think about it as an entrepreneur, I mean, that's a great example of sometimes you don't think about it until you're in the middle of it. Even if you're mm -hmm. a salesperson, you don't think about all yeah. the time that you're spending on an account. But even then, when someone points it out to you and you realize that you have to go do something about it, the last thing you want to do is fire your customer. 
So, but I've seen entrepreneurs fire a customer rather than go have a conversation about the price increase. They, they would rather say, you know what, I don't want to do business with you anymore than go, look, I'm going to need to get a 100% price increase to continue this on. So, I, and I don't understand that, but it is the it is the fear. And in your case, even then, as you're sitting there at night, laying down your head on your pillow and you're thinking about, I got to go talk to this customer, there's something inside of you that is going, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I want to have this conversation because I know it's going to be yeah. a conflict. For me, I mean, if if the customer's really, really hard work, and I think that they've been very, very difficult throughout, then I'm I've got no qualms, no issues with it. But when they're a customer, I really enjoy working with, and they've been with us for years and years, perhaps yep. since we started the company. That's when it gets a lot harder when they've got that long term relationship, right? That's the lower left, the lower right hand corner of the fit matrix is easy to work with, low profit, mm, and 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 when you talk about timing with that with that group of people, like I, as a business, I want easy to work with, high profit. I'm sure you want the same thing. Of That's course. what I go for. That's what I work with. I'm always trying to make sure I'm bringing companies into my organization, customers that that are in that quadrant. However, I'm like you. You know, I've got customers that have been around for a long time. They've been with me since the beginning. They are low profit, easy to work with. Generally, I don't mess with them unless, like, unless something pops up or unless I'm in a situation where I have to move them, because it's a lot easier to focus on the ones that are driving you crazy and you're not paying much more money, much money. Those are a lot easier to have that conversation with. So I'll typically move to those folks and then I'll work on the ones that are easy to work with low profit a little at a time. Typically, for example, if they start a new project or, you know, are there, they, they add something to the account, then I'll reprice the new at a, right. at a higher rate. And if mm. they ask me about it, well, that's higher rate than we were paying. I go, yeah, that, I, I priced this for you 10 years ago. Things have changed. And with the new project, I have to be here. And what I found is that that particular mechanism makes it a lot easier for people to accept the price increase. Nice. Okay. Chili Piper's automated scheduling tools are super effective for booking and scheduling demos. I could chat about them all day long, but why not listen as a new customer witnesses the magic of Chili Piper for the very first time? Okay, you're just about to switch gears. I'm ready for it now. Hold on. Oh, we, we got one. We got one? We got one. Oh my God. Ah, yes. All right, via ownership to one of our A's pinged me and goes, Guess what just worked? Exactly how it should have happened. This is exactly how it should have happened. I could have done it. Oh my God, you are incredible. So there it is proof of the power of Chili Piper. Book your free demo today over at chilipiper.com slash BGS. That's C H I L I P I P E R dot com slash BGS. Chilipiper.com forward slash BGS. Are you tired of competitors stealing your traffic, leads, and sales all because they're higher on Google? Maybe you're investing in paid ads but want to enjoy the benefits of organic SEO, meaning free traffic and inbound customers and not having to pay Google for every single click. Or perhaps you're running SEO and ads, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Any of this sound familiar? Let the team at WebChoice fix that for you. Book a free consultation today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com.
so we've teed up, up quite nicely. So what are some, apart from the ones you've just shared, Je- Jeb, what are perhaps from start to right through to objections and negotiation, what are some of the first things we should consider when we are going to our existing customers saying, look, the rates are going up? Um, yeah, th- the number one thing is, and this is let's just for salespeople, business owners too, but just for, to, to, for salespeople is, do you have a relationship with them? So there's you know, a couple of mistakes that salespeople make. One of the mistakes is that, for example, you're a brand new, um, you're a brand new salesperson, or the account's brand new to you. So your predecessor got fired, and you got handed the book of accounts, and now you got to go talk to them. One of the big mistakes that that account executives, account managers in particular, make is that they don't talk to this 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 account until it's time for the price increase. So the mm. very first conversation they have with them is, "Hey, I'm raising your rates." Really bad mistake. So you don't want to do that. The other is. Uh, and you think about this, if, if a vendor comes to you and says, I want you to pay more, the first thing that you think to yourself is, what am I getting from this? So what's in it for me? And the second thing you're getting, you're, you think is, what have you done for me lately? Like, I, where are we? So so you'll start peeling back the onion and saying, is it worth paying more? So suddenly mm-hmm. this becomes a big deal for you. So if you're an account manager, understanding that the number one reason why you will lose the account to a price increase is because of neglect. You weren't paying attention to them. You were taking them for granted. So if you haven't been working and taking care of your account, if you haven't earned the price increase, essentially, because you're not managing your account, then it's a good time for you to step back and think about what am I doing there? The third big mistake is procrastination. And I see this happening with salespeople all the time. You work for a big company. The company is going to be giving a price increase to their customers, maybe at contract time. So when the contract renews, the customer's got to pay more. I'm working with a client right now that's doing that. They've got all these contracts out there, but when the contract renews, it's not negotiable. The customer's, well, maybe a little bit negotiable, but the customer's going to pay more. So the salespeople wait and wait and wait and wait and wait till the last minute. Then they go to the customer and say, we're raising your rates. In some cases, significantly. The customer's pissed because they didn't have any time to plan for it. And, and business people in particular don't like sudden change. So you, you want to get in as early as possible and talk about it. So really, if you start thinking about it, number one is, uh, and the number one step is setting the stage, getting people prepared for a price increase. And that can be as simple as, you know, you could allude to them, uh, hey, you know what, our prices are going up in a lot of cases. We're holding our prices for our current customers, but I'm not sure how much longer that's going to hold out. Or, okay. you know, what I'll do is I'll go, man, have you seen how much it costs to fill up the tank of your car? You know, so, uh, so, or, you know, you can talk about all our competitors out there raising their rates right now and that we're holding it. So, but you start getting them ready. And, and, and by the way, when we talk about like objections, if I get, if I'm, if I can get far enough ahead of the price increase, sometimes you'll get the objection. I'm not paying that, Sam, I'm not paying a price increase, not paying anymore, but you know that they don't have anywhere else to go. So if you just give them a little bit of time, they'll work through it and they'll accept the price increase. How much time is enough time, Jeb? I, I think that, you know, somewhere between 30 and 60 days out, you should be having, you know, having those conversations about the potential for a price increase. Now that puts a lot of onus on the leadership team, not to spring it on the sales team either. Like if the sales team wakes up one morning and you tell them we're raising our prices tomorrow, you can expect to have some major like problems out in the field and you're going to lose some customers because the salespeople have to buy into it too. Like the salespeople that sell the price increase to their customers, they have to buy the price increase from the leadership team first. Make sense? You're right. But let me give you another, another, when you ask about the time is let's say you're an account manager and 
you've not spent any time with your customer. Like you don't, they don't even know you. Well, you need to set up a pre-price increase campaign. Marketing can do this, by the way. Leadership can do this. But as a sales professional, you're ultimately responsible. So go meet with your customer a handful of times. Find something that you can solve. Like do something for them. Give them some reason. Build a little bit of a relationship. And then you can you can spring the price increase on them. And by the way, if you are an account manager and you have existing accounts, and you know if we get real honest with ourselves and look in the mirror, we can we'll we'll know whether we've been actively managing the account or not. If you haven't been, then dive into it. Go take a look at how they're doing. Are you know are you generating ROI? If you're not, go solve some problems, fix your service issues, shore things up so that you don't cede the moral high ground to your customer when you approach them with the price increase and they say, "Hey, what have you done for me lately? All I've got is bad service, bad quality, bad this, bad that, and you haven't even been here." You there's there's not a lot of defense in that situation. So get your ducks in a row and get your house in order as you begin approaching them. Yeah, a lot of this sounds like preparation, really, Jeb. And it's yeah, just getting ahead of the. It's it's getting prepared. Uh, we in the book itself, we take you through a uh, an account risk profile analysis process. We use a nine box frame to do this, where you look at things like your quality and service uh, status, your relationship status. And the account's alternatives are doing business with you. So, for example, mm. and by the way, your your alternatives are doing business with the account. And understanding where you fit in that matrix and from a preparation standpoint also informs the way in which you're going to approach the account and what maybe you need to do as a team in order to shore things up. So obviously you've got a lot more risk with your high, you know, large accounts, your big strategic excuse me, strategic accounts. Um, but on the flip side of that, the large accounts and the strategic accounts are where all the money is. So if you get price increases with them, it covers a lot of uh, a ground for you in your total price increase campaign. So you want to prepare, set the stage, uh, and you want to make sure that you have analyzed your larger accounts and yeah. that you're shaping your approach around what you you know where you are with those particular accounts. Yeah. So we're we're giving giving our customers good notice. We're saying look. 30 to 60 days time this is what's going to happen because of xyz because of inflation because we're giving a bit of service because we're adding features to our products whatever in the meantime we're having regular calls with them we're trying to add value in the sense that giving them a good experience really rather than just letting their accounts sit there because it's profitable we're actually trying to have regular calls saying look what can we be doing to help you help you what's perhaps not working quite as well what can we improve on and making sure you're, you're keeping in touch regularly. Once, let's pretend we've done all that, Jeb. We're doing a good job with our customers. How can we now kind of push it forwards and get them to agree to it, I guess? Well, first of all, we, when we talk about agree, we're talking about acceptance, right? So acceptance is every, what every human has to do when there's any type of change. We have to accept the change. So once you've, once you've basically prepared, analyzed, you've got to figure out your approach. And there's essentially two different or three different approaches to price increases. One is that you're defending a price increase. So typically with defending a price increase, your company is is has told the entire account base you're getting a price increase and you've got to take inbound calls from those customers saying, I don't want to pay it. You've got to deal with their objections, deal with their concerns. In most cases, that's being driven by marketing. But in a in a typical you know sales process, you're gonna you're gonna take two different types of approaches with okay. what we would call a negotiable price increase. So this would be a price increase where you're going to the customer 
And this would especially be true if you're a small business person. You're going to the customer saying your prices are increasing and the customer may push back and you might have to negotiate. So one approach is presenting the price increase. So this is more an assumptive presentation where you're going to tell them the price increase, what's being increased, and then you're going to give them a because. You're going to, we're going to, you're going to use a price increase because statement. The prices go, are going up to this much. They're, it's going to go up on this date because, and, and, and then you just assume that they're going to say yes. They may give you some pushback. They may negotiate, but you're going in with a pure assumption. With your larger okay. accounts, so, so big accounts where there's a lot at risk, and the last thing anybody wants to do is lose a big, you know, large strategic account over a price increase, especially not to your competitor, unless there's some, you know, egregious reason why you need to let them go. In those cases, we're going to use a business case. So it would be right. no different, for example, if you're going into that large account for the very first time and you're presenting a business case and you're closing the deal. So with the price increase, we're going to go in with a business case, math. Uh, we're going to go in and we're going to talk about the value that we've delivered for them. Uh, we're going to talk about both the emotional value and the measure measurable business outcomes. Uh, we're going to talk about the metrics that matter. We're going to talk about all the things that we've done. We're going to, we're going to give them, uh, you know, probably multiple narratives. One of those narratives might be an economic fairness narrative. Hey, we're being impacted by this. And in order to continue to service you at the level that you expect, we need this, uh, or we're like you said, we're adding new features, so a future value narrative. Um, yep. and, and so we, we've done, you know, we're, we're going to be doing this past value narrative would be we have done this to solve your problems. And we're going to build a business case and we're going to present it to them. Now, with large strategic accounts, we're not going to assume that they're going to pay their price increase. We're going to ask for permission to implement the price increase. And the reason that we do that is that. If you put the large, large strategic account that typically has a lot of alternatives into our, a corner, then they've got big procurement teams. You could trigger them to say, you know what, we're going to go out and do a search for this, especially if it's a contract renewal time. So mm. typically what I'm going to do with them, and that's why I'm going to run a risk profile analysis first to really understand what are their alternatives to doing business with me? Have we really earned this price increase? How yep. integrated we are into their workflows? Then I'm going to sit down with them and I'm going to say, you know, Sam, would like like permission to implement this price increase starting in, you know, at the beginning of June. My out always, my escape hatch with always with large accounts is I always can back down, I can negotiate, I can work out something, but I want to come away with something more than what I've got because believe it or not, one is, is, is more than zero. So if I get anything, right, I'm in better shape than I was going in, but, mm. but I want to approach that in a more collaborative way with my largest accounts. Yeah, like you say, it might be slightly simpler for, for smaller accounts or perhaps smaller companies that don't have procurement, finance, various C-suite execs, that you're not just speaking to one person, you're speaking to a full board. There's not just one person decision-making process. It's quite a detailed thing. So if you upset someone, you could be at risk of losing the whole account, and that could be yes. tens of thousands or more. Um, so yeah, like you say, it's, it sounds like you've got to build up to it presenting a full case covering all those things like you said like the value you've brought so far get them involved emotionally show them what you've done to, to present to fix their problem show them different forms of metrics build up the narrative with the environment past work done future work that you're planning and so on so building a, a fully fledged case to and then what what was the what was the last part of it you're asking for their permission to 
Yeah, I just you know, it's a collaborative process. So I'm delivering the I'm delivering a business case, and then yep. typically with a larger account. Again, if it's a larger account that has that I have very little risk of losing because they don't have a lot of alternatives. So understanding that in a price increase situation, the power that the account has over you is their alternatives to doing business with you. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. We'll add to that the moral high ground if you have been doing a poor job of servicing the account. So if you're delivering poor service and poor quality, if you haven't built wide and deep relationships, then in those cases, they're going to use that to bludgeon you with. They're going to go, why should I pay you more when you're doing this for me? And let me give you four examples of where you failed me. You'll, you'll start backing down really quickly when you've done that. But in, in a situation where a company has multiple alternatives, let's say you have a couple of big competitors in the marketplace. Those big competitors would love to take this account away from you. And if they see any rift in the relationship, they might do that. The thing that you have in your in your favor in the large accounts is something called the status quo bias. And that is that, that, that human beings don't particularly like change and there's a cost to change. Yeah. So it, with a large account, for them to move someplace else requires them to expend time, energy, money, uh, you know, they've got to go on a search. They got to go find something else. They got to replace you. They've got to go through the issues of changing things on the inside. So I need to balance the cost of their change against where the alternatives are. Yeah. So once I understand that, if there aren't a lot of alternatives, I'm probably just going to go in and present the price increase. Sam, you're the price on X widget is going up by this much because we're in this situation. And the only way we're going to be made, you know, be able to re- maintain quality is we've got to change manufacturers and suppliers. And this is going to happen on June 1st. That would mm-hmm. be presenting a price increase, even though right. they may come back and say, I can't pay that much. I might negotiate it, but I'm just going to assume they're going to buy it in a large account where they, let's say I've got a couple of big competitors that are already knocking on their door and uh, maybe my relationships are not quite as deep as I'd like them to be. I would say something like, you know, Sam, we, you know, let's let's talk about what we've done over the past year. Let's do an account review. Um, let's uh, let's take a look at some of the future problems that we're taking a look at solving for you. Here's where we think we're going to go. And in order for us to put the resources on this particular problem, uh, what we need to do is we need to increase our rates by this much. And uh, we we want to increase our rate starting July 1st, and I want to get your permission to implement those. I'm just like that. But in that situation, I'm telling them, I recognize that I'm in a weaker position, and I'm, I'm appealing to you human to human for the opportunity to, you know, to, 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 to cover my profits. And I've, um, I've both of those, both of those, uh, those, those tactics work and, and, but with my larger accounts, what I find almost always is that if I build a good business case, if I've earned the price increase, if I yeah. build good relationships and I'm doing a good job for them and I approach it like that, relax assertive confidence, but a good business case, a good reasoning why, and I ask for permission, they almost always accept it. Now, that doesn't mean that, that I don't have to negotiate it. There are times when I have to negotiate things or give things up. But in in most all cases, they say yes. And if they said no, we can't pay any more. And if you raise our rates, we're going to move to your competitor. Then I'm I'm at a choice I have to make. Do I want to keep them or do I want to lose them? And in most cases, I'm not going in with that particular you know type of approach, the you know yeah. a, a collaborative approach. If I want to lose them, so I always have an escape hatch. Before we wrap up with the negotiation part of this, actually, there's probably a couple more points as well. But you mentioned something interesting a couple of minutes back, Jeb, about the status quo. That's something I talk about a lot when I do solo episodes on the show around marketing, around websites and all that good stuff. Because like you say, 
uh, humans are creatures of habit. We hate change. We hate the tiresome, cumbersome process of having to move a vendor or not having to do something if we have to. Because we know if we swap vendors, especially if we're talking working with complex products or solutions, it's not easy, right? It takes time to move over. We've got to get to know the account manager. We've got to get to know their software. Perhaps the rest of our team do. It's not quick. But what happens when our customers call our bluff and they say, look, Jeb, I'm not really happy with this. I'm going to move. We don't know if they're going to move or not, but they're threatening us. They're saying, mm-hmm. look, I'm, if, you don't, if you don't keep my rates as they are for the next six months, I'm off. What happens then? Well, that's why you have to understand in advance what your customer's alternatives are. So, mm-hmm. so for example, one of the stories that I like to tell customers is the story of what, what it was like before we were working together. So I, it's a, I just tell them the story, you know, before we were working together, you had gone through four different vendors, uh, all of these problems you were facing, you were in this situation, and then we got together. And here's what we've changed. Like, this is called a past value narrative. But here's what changed. We did this for you, this for you, this for you, this for, 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 for you. And by the way, two years ago, we were your vendor of the year. And just the other day ago, you had this problem. We jumped in and we solved that problem. We know you. And it was, it took a long time for us to get to that place where we know each other at a level where we, we can, we can converse like this. And, and it would be very difficult to replace this relationship. I tell people that story all the time. I want them to know that I I want to put that into their minds. Uh, But before I go in, if I run the, the risk matrix or the, you know, the risk profile analysis and this non box is in the book. So it's selling the price increase. You can get it there. I walk you through step by step. When I run that, what I'm doing is I'm understanding from my customer standpoint, what their bluff might be. So for example, they say, we're going to do it in house. The customer says that, I mean, I'm sure that happens in your business. We're just going to take our marketing in house. We don't need you anymore, but you, but you know them, like, you know what it takes to build this up. It's not easy. And now you got to go hire a $200,000 a year CMO. And then you got to get three people around the CMO. And then you don't even really understand how SEO works. You don't understand any of those things. Then, uh, then you know that taking it in house is going to be very difficult for them. So they may be calling your bluff, but in that, in that situation, you know that they're probably not going to go down that road once they sit down and think about the cost-benefit analysis. Go back to why do I want to give people time? Because in that situation, I would consider that an objection because they're, mm. it's unlikely they're going to move. And do, yep. it, and do it on their own. So if I give them a little bit of time and space, then I give them some time to think about it. So I might say, Sam, I totally get where you're coming from. And I can see from your standpoint that these rate increases would cause you to think that it might be less expensive to do it on your own. Tell you what, why don't we do this? Why don't we give you some time? Let's take 60 days. Take a look at what your options look like in terms of doing it on your own. And then let's come back and talk in a few weeks to see whether or not it makes sense for us to continue working together. And, and in that situation, I'm calling their bluff because I, I've done my research, I've done my homework, and I know that the cost of them doing it on their own is going to be way more than their cost of hiring me. Makes sense? Or they're not going to be able to, to pull it off because they just don't have the resources. And, and so you have, to, you have to think about it that way. If they say, we're going to do business with your competitor, but you know that your product is so integrated into their workflows, unwinding that is going to be almost impossible for them. And the cost of doing that is going to be massive and it's going to be incredibly disruptive. Then you can explain that to them. 
in some cases they'll pull, you know, they'll call your bluff. And then and you, especially at a contract renewal date, and let's say that you've put in a lot of specialty equipment or there are leases involved. You say, yep. I, I totally get where you're coming from. Hey, let me make sure I, I'll get you the cost of being able to get out of the contract. It's going to be a quarter of a million dollars. I've done this a number of times where, Hey, the cost of getting out of the contract is a quarter of a million dollars. And they go back and look at it and they come back and say, yeah, I don't think we want to change because it's going to be too much. What can we do? So now we've we've changed the conversation. If you don't know that, like if you don't understand what those alternatives are, if you don't understand what their situation is. And by the way, you don't understand what your alternatives are. Like, for example, if you weren't spending four hours a week working on this this account that isn't generating any profit, you took that same four hours a week and went out and found new accounts. You could replace them. So what are your alternatives as well? If you get that and understand it, walking through the door, you're going to do a lot better job of dealing with the issues that they throw at you. And you're going to get issues. You're going to get objections. You're going to get negotiation. You're going to get pushback. You're going to get bluffs because mm. nobody wants a price increase. So that's why you want to do your homework up front and understand what you're getting into. Yeah, I love that. Love the, especially love the story where you're reflecting on kind of the initial problem they came to you with, how you helped them fix it, what you've done for them over the last X months, years, and how you've integrated with their team because that kind of refreshes their memory. Yes. And they'll probably start to think, ah, right, yeah, you're probably right. That would be very difficult to do that with another vendor. So it kind of well, it's up. amazing how how fast uh, your you know your customer gets amnesia in the face of a price increase. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. But I'd probably be the same if I was on the other end. Um, with that said, if someone is pushing hard for, let's say, it is because, like you say, if it's a if it's a smaller account and perhaps they're quite difficult or hard to work with, you might not be as concerned if it was a larger scale account that you're you really want to keep on board. If they are really pushing, they're saying, "Look, look, Jeb, meet meet me halfway. Let's let's yes. go fifty percent of what you're proposing." Do we just give in? Do we say, yeah, no worries, getting the contract over now? Or what, what's the best way to play it out? That is the best question of the day. So if we think about, let's, let's talk about an objection versus negotiation. So an objection is, is, I'm not paying this price increase. That's an objection. They haven't accepted it yet. Negotiation is, they've accepted it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you something more. I agree. I, you, you've, you've earned it, but I'm not paying you that much. That's a negotiation. So the number one thing you want to think about when you're negotiating a price increase is protect the points. If you're listening or watching, write this down, protect the points, because if they say, I'll meet you halfway and you just give away 50% of your price increase, go back to the conversation we were having earlier about the amount of drop through you get to the profit line per point of price increase. So giving away, slashing half of it and just walking out the door, that is giving away a lot of future profits. And all you got to do is just add that up over, say, a five-year contract, and it can get, you know, it, it can be shocking how much money it is. So number one thing is protect the points. So mm. when you are, 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 have a negotiable price increase, in other words, I'm going there, but I, I have room to negotiate. You First of all, you want to start with your, with what are you going in with? What am I presenting? What am I targeting? So I'm usually going to present more than I'm targeting, right? So let's say I'm, I'm targeting 6%. I go in with 10. And then yeah. what's my, you know, what's my bottom line? So what is my limit? So where I call it the limit zone, but what's, where's the, the limit? So I need to understand that first. So I understand where I'm, what I'm giving away. Number two is don't give away whole points. So if you're going to give away any type of points, give them away in tenths of a point or a quarter of a point or a half of a point so that you're negotiating in smaller increments versus, yeah, I'll give you five points off. That's just massive. But finally, what I like to do is create an inventory of funny money. 
Now, funny money are the things that you can do for this customer that don't cost you money, that don't, don't cost you price increase points. Like, for example, let's say for you in your business, uh, Sam, um, you've got at, you know, at, uh, at Web Choice, you've got a series of training videos on, uh, on what business owners need to know about SEO. And you built sure. these, these training videos. You have them behind a firewall. You charge $99 for the course. So you're going out for a price increase. The person says, hey, you know, meet me halfway. And you said, ah, you know, I really can't do it on the price increase, but I could give you free access for you and your employees to this training program. Or okay. um, we could, you know, we could, um, we could, we could put you on our, on our uh, premier customer account where you get 24 hour access to our service team. Or, um, you know, we're going to give you this. So what I want to think about is all the funny money that I have at my disposal, Love things that, that I can do for them, right? But don't, but don't cost me points. Make sense? Like concessions, right? Yeah. Like, things that aren't going to cost you money, but might just be, these are things yeah. that we've already got that don't cost us as a business time or effort. We can just hand them off to them and they'll probably find them valuable. Exactly. So you're giving them value. So they get to save face. Like when they're negotiating for you, you know, what do they want? They just want to feel like I didn't want to pay the price increase, but I got something for it. So you're helping them save face. And, you know, it's sometimes funny money, you know, it has a cost to it, but the cost is much lower than giving away a point of revenue. That mm. makes sense. Right. So, uh, so I, I want to look at it that way, but I want to make sure I have all those things. And I've, and I've thought about it. Like these things might be good for this customer in some cases, I'll go in with those things. I'll say, this will be future value, right? We're raising the prices, but you're getting boom, 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 boom. So I, I help them save face in advance. Typically, on and I do that with, with customers where I have a really, really good relationship. It's strong. It's mm. transparent. Uh, we work with each other all the time. Then I'm able to say, hey, I've got to raise my rates. However, because you're such a good customer, I'm going to give you all of these things. This is worth this much to you. Uh, let's move forward. And, and that'll typically get us around the negotiation itself. I like the funny money points. Um, sounds a little bit like the old Batna. What was it? Best alternative to something agreement. Yeah. Um, kind of similar. Yeah. Well, but if you think about Batna, what is Batna? Batna is about alternatives, right? So it's, it's the person with the, the greatest number of alternatives has the most power when negotiating. So yeah. when your customer has more alternatives to doing business with you, they have more power, but when you have alternatives or you have different ways to, to, sh to shape those alternatives, then it, it equalizes the power at the negotiation table. Okay. So let's say we've, we've given some funny monies. We've thought about the resources that we've got that aren't going to necessarily cost us much, or perhaps they cost us a little bit of our time. We've sweetened them up a little bit, but the prospect is still saying, that's good, Jeb. I'm happy to go down to 40% of what you're, what you're proposing. Now what do we do? They're still they're still trying to grill us a bit more. Well, I think in those cases, like if you've if you've if you've done your you know your work on negotiating, so you've essentially what you want to do is you're you're going to go make your case again. So if someone says forty percent again, I'm coming back. I'm going to make the case again. I'm going to get my calculator out. I'm going to add things up for them. I'm going to show them why they need to pay the price increase. I'm going to do those things. Um, but if we're at the end and they say, look, here's where I am, then I have a choice to make as a business. I'm either, or as a sales professional, I'm either going to say, um, well, I can't do 40, but I can do 20. Or I'm going to say, okay. Or I'm going to say, look, here's the deal. Like if we can't come to an agreement on this, I can't do business with you anymore. And that would probably be, mm -hmm. 
be determined based on, you know, how much profit I was making for the account, how many alternatives they had. I mean, it's negotiation. There's nothing that's going to be perfect about it. Uh, but I think what you'll find is that in, in many cases that you're going to be, um, you're going to find that funny money, future value, those things work very, very well. And if it's a really, really big account that has alternatives and they immediately say to you, hey, look, I'm willing to work with you, but not this much, then um, then you've already won because they're telling you, we value you enough not to go throw your competitor in your face. Yeah. So let's work out a deal. And I just think you've got to use your good, your good senses. But my, I go back to what I said earlier, your number one job in a price increase negotiation is to protect the price increase points, protect the points. That's what matters the most. And, and you want to get the highest number of points you can. The customer wants to get the lowest number of points they can. And I'm not a big fan of meeting in the middle. And I certainly don't believe in win-win because it's your job to win for your team and win for your profits. So, but there's, but there's going to be compromise. Uh, I just wouldn't go and they, they say, oh yeah, we'll do 50, 50, just meet us halfway. And you go, okay, what did you give away in doing that? The fact that yeah. they even agreed to do that without throwing your competitor in the face means that they value you live up to that, but you have to be able to build your case. You've got to be able to do the math for them and show them the value that you're delivering. And by the way, Sam, just for the audience, the way that I present sure. value is when I'm working with a a customer is um, I take their personal outcomes. So what's in it for them working with me? Emotional outcomes, the 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 way that it makes them feel, the peace of mind that it gives them working with me, the way I help them, you know, achieve particular goals, save time, that type of thing. And what are the measurable business outcomes? That's that's the math. Minus the price equals value. So if I take those, the personal outcomes, emotional outcomes, measurable business outcomes, and then I take the, the price and, and, and you know, minus the price, and I'm able to, to, to make the case that they're getting a, a much higher value for the price that they're paying, then in a, from a negotiating standpoint, I'm in a much better situation. I, I'm, I'm making my case. So when you're in a situation where you are, you know, the person says, hey, you know, I don't want to pay this much, you've yeah. got to be able to go back and make your case again. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And a lot of this sounds like, like, like you said before, really just preparing properly. So really understand you, you said protecting your points, but also like you mentioned earlier, knowing that there probably is going to be pushback with some customers yeah. and knowing kind of what your limits are, what you need really to, to keep the business profitable, to, to grow accounts. And then like you say, having concessions ready, having, having funny money yeah. ready. So just, just being well prepared and making sure beforehand, like you said, you've looked after the account properly. You service them well. You've, you've been a good um, salesperson or business owner or whatever your position is in your company and you've looked after them. So you've, you've got those things to fall back on. And when you explain things in a clear fashion, getting in the personal, emotional and business metrics involved, they, it's going to be hard for them yeah. to, to shift unless they are a terrible client and you don't really want to work with them anyway, you're happy to walk away because at some stage you might have to. Yes, exactly. I think you nailed it. Good man. Um, I think we covered this pretty nicely. Is there any, any final points that we need to consider Jeb before we wrap this one up? I, th I, th I think that the, the last thing I would say to your audience is that approaching price increases is really about your, your overall message. And uh, we in the book, we I'll give you eight narratives, eight different ways to approach price increases. But when we start thinking about message, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And we know that price increases make us feel nervous. We know that it feels like conflict and rejection, two things that human beings want to avoid. avoid. In fact, in a lot of cases, 
we think about the two things human beings fear the most is death and rejection. And in most cases, we fear rejection more than we, we fear death. So it has a, a tendency when we're approaching a price increase to, to reshape the way that we approach the customer in terms of how we're saying things. So you want to pay particular attention to your confidence. There's nothing that sells a price increase better than relaxed assertive confidence. And that includes both your body language. It includes um, the way that you say things. So the way the words come out of your mouth and uh, or the way that you present things. And, uh, and, and the, and the shape of the words, like the words that you use, uh, are you using confident words or insecure words? And I would, I would sit back and, and think about that in, in terms of what price increase conversations are going well for you, which ones are not going well for you. And then think about how you're saying things. If you do that, it's a lot easier than to step into what you're going to say, because if you say something that's brilliant, but you say it in an insecure way, a good customer is going to bulldoze right over you and you're going to walk away and go, I'll take whatever I can get, or I'll take nothing at all. Yeah. Like a lot of things, it sounds like delivery is key and how you, you, how you bring it up, how you communicate to your customers, because if you're saying it and the customer can sound, you're really nervous and they can sound like you're not really too sure yourself. They're probably going to walk all over you, right? That's correct. Good man. Sales legend, Jeb Blunt. Thank you for returning on the show, sir. Please do share with us. Tell everyone about how they can get their hands on the book when it's out. Um, anything else you'd like to send our audience to? And go ahead, my friend. Absolutely. Well, the name of the book is Selling the Price Increase. And uh, and Sam, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this book because in the history of business books, this is the only business book that has ever been written specifically on selling B2B price increases. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a comprehensive guide to getting the prices that you deserve from your existing customers. So you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, if you're listening from different places in the world, uh, and the, it'll be available in the U.S. first, but you can go ahead and place your pre-orders. So go get the book. And then, uh, and if you want to con connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm Twitter at Sales Gravy, I'm uh, Instagram at Sales Gravy, I'm Facebook at Sales Gravy, uh, I'm at Sales Gravy. I'm thinking I'm even on Snapchat at Sales Gravy, but wherever you are, um, connect with me and, uh, and come to salesgravy.com if you want to find out more about the book. Awesome, man. And we'll put all of those links over on the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, Jeb, I want to thank you very much for, for coming on. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Truly grateful. No worries, man. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, a quick rating or review on your podcast channel is very much appreciated. And with that, we should catch you on the next one. Appreciate you tuning in.